0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? Dan Staten here, a.k.a. Dan the Fitness Man. This is Elk Shape Podcast, episode 20, where we talk about, obviously, fitness, discipline, personal development, and we share stories and drop knowledge Today we're bringing on a good buddy of mine who I met in the backcountry of North Idaho and we kind of were just ran into each other, recognized that each of us were kind of getting after it and a rare breed and became friends, exchanged numbers and have stayed in touch and even hunted together. It's Ryan Lampers and uh, Ryan's a good dude and he's got a podcast with his wife, Hillary, and it's called... Hunt Harvest Health. Check it out. We sit down and I think we're doing a swap cast. They might drop this one as well, but we just talk about everything from where we hunt, why we hunt, and I think there's a lot of great information. We even cover Washington, Idaho, Montana, Colorado, Wyoming. We cover mountain goats to oh, gardening, managing your family, and preparing to leave for long extended hunts and taking care of business. Ryan's self employed as well. So we just have a lot in common. And uh, he has two daughters. I have a daughter and son. Both our kids are pretty young. Both our wives are way smarter than us. And uh, so, yeah, man, it's a great time to sit down and just talk shop. I hope you guys enjoy. And if you have any uh, feedback or want to drop an email, you can hit me up at elkshape at gmail.com. Check out elkshape.com for workouts. Check out the store. And that's how
2: you can support this podcast. Enjoy. So, what's going on, man? Well, we, uh, we're we in Boise. We're uh, getting ready to go kind of hang out at the BHA and see what everybody's got to say and meet all the cool people and hang out with, with the cool people that we know and just sitting here with you. Will Doing you sign autographs? Oh, no. There's never going to be an autograph for me. Okay. If anybody's going to want an autograph, it's going to be from uh, Dan Dan the Fitness Man.
1: I hope not because uh, they won't get one. But, uh, yeah, we are... Well, dude, it's been a while since. When's the last time I actually saw your face?
2: Oh, man. You know, we swung in. We were coming back from, I believe, Montana. We swung in, had some dinner. You cooked up some, uh, I think, elk steaks. And yeah, we saw you at your other, other house where you were, yeah. me and the kiddos and, and the wife. So we swung in and hung out with you for a couple hours Yeah, in uh, Spokane. So. But that was, that was last year. That was last year. A long and then time ago. Before that was probably like Nevada. Yeah, that's right. Our hunt in Nevada. Your hunt in I Nevada. I saw you, uh, I think I saw you for two days in Nevada. It and was cool though. I mean,
1: we were both coming from different places. You were doing a train to hunt comp like national. And then yeah. I was getting there a day early. I didn't have a lot of time. I had to just get in there and get after it. And we kind of picked a spot to look for each other and...
2: Yeah, you and I had talked and kind of uh, decided on this one area. And um, me being the slacker that I am, I had prior obligations, uh, you know, thinking back. It worked out, but it could have been a disaster for me because I, I committed to the Train to Hunt Nationals thing. And so I showed up late, and I don't even think – we weren't there for the opener. You know, I think August 10th is the opener. Well, I don't even think I showed up on that hunt till 16th or 17th or something like that. So you had uh, – you had – been into that country that we had picked out on a map and and had a chance to uh tell me about all the bucks that were running around
1: <laughs> you know there was good deer densities yeah. and good
2: moo cow densities my a goodness, a lot of moo cows i i didn't see those on uh on the maps i was looking at did you think that would have been a good like that's a pretty
1: hard to place hard to draw elk tag area do you think the elk hunting there was as good as you it i mean obviously where it was august but did you lay eyes on any like 350 plus bulls no, or I didn't either.
2: I didn't. I saw a absolute ton of bulls. Yeah. The most bulls I've ever seen early season like that. Yeah. In were. that kind of country, in the Aspens, Quakeys and all that. But I never did. I saw an absolute, you know, crud ton of six points. <laughs> White horn six points. Um, just getting friendly, starting to lock up some horns and stuff like that and just that just after they've rubbed off and all that, but I never did lay eyes on a monster. And I was surprised, to be honest, because the country that we were in and just the absolute density of elk in that country was pretty impressive. Yeah. I had no idea that I was going to see that many big bulls running around. It was interesting.
1: I mean, I did see a little bit of cow... Uh, I would say collaboration with Mule Deer, but for the most part, it seemed like they kept their distances from they each did. other.
2: Yeah, yeah. I noticed there was a lot more of those big bachelor groups of bulls, kind of in those upper end basins where the where the water was. Mm-hmm. They were really just kind of hanging within a quarter half mile of those those upper basins. But no, it was cool to see. I know I took a lot of pictures and you know videos and stuff of of them just out. You know, I saw a lot of those bulls that were just kind of out all day just up in those hanging in those upper basins with mule deer yeah you know not hanging really like close to them but not too far off they seem to travel a little bit further away from that water midday than the than the elk did is what i know oh yeah and i
1: don't even know if the deer were hitting water every day it didn't seem
2: like they were no i um you know that that buck i ended up finding i never did kind of figure out where he was watering because there there wasn't really a A water patch for a ways from him but then um the other side of the rim, kind of the easier side to travel I did have a basin kind of a sage flat and every day about three to five I swore I saw every buck in the county was coming in they're just funneling in there and and, and that was fun to watch too but I never did see any monsters come in Hmm. so the monsters you know those loner bucks kind of kept their distance from those, like, mainstay watering holes. Yeah. And they had a little hidey hole somewhere that they were uh, getting their licks in. But Do you remember the, who the outfitter that was in there? I ran into the
1: guy and said, hey, I'm camping here. And he's like, I have a camp already there. And I'm like, um, okay. Like, do you have clients? And he's like, I don't have a client for five days. If you keep an eye out for big bulls, you can stay at my camp. And we...
2: <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah.
1: And oh, so yeah. we, like, went up there and he had wall tents and yeah and then you and I found each other and I was like well hey we got cots <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah we stayed we, I uh I was living like a king there for a night oh I think it was one night or two nights um but yeah that was that was pretty fancy to hike all the way in there with this loaded pack and have everything on your back ready to just be away from it all and and then lo and behold you run into a really cool outfitter that's like eh, if you want just stay in my tent that's a beautiful country I've had a lot of people
1: message me where were you and Mm -hmm. I've been like man I I'm not that secretive when it comes to mule deer but out of respect to Ryan my buddy I can't really tell you if it if (laughs) you know but um you had a cool hunt like you almost got hit by lightning you saw a cougar and killed what 180 inch plus mule
2: deer Mm -hmm. with your bow Mm -hmm. yep yeah it was a it was everything you want out of a mule deer hunt, especially a hunt out of state, in country you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had everything. I would have done without the, the lightning strike, to be quite honest. That scared the crap out of Were me. Were you on the rim? I was right on the top. Yep. Mm-hmm. And thing about it was uh, there was two big boulders on that on that lip where I was. And I was standing right next to the tallest boulder. And I was looking ahead 30 yards at a big old boulder, but it was lower elevation than I was. And that's where that lightning strike hit. So, you know, it should have hit me, you know, in my mind. I was a little taller than that boulder, but it it hit 30 yards in front of me and just crack. And I boogied down that mountain so fast. <laughs> I, I stayed in a contractor bag for I don't know how long. It was It was a while before that storm passed. And then I had to go back and look at that rock. You know, I i didn't had no idea what it would do to a rock i just saw it slam into it so i went back up and um, walked up to that rock that it hit and yeah it kind of just like shook the top plate like there, there's those kind of rocks where you got different plates yeah. different levels and it shook that and just kind of spread it apart a little bit so i, was, I could kind of see these lines coming off oh, of those splits sweet. so i took a bunch of you know photos of that but no that was super spooky but the, it was a good lesson. The you cougar know, you don't saw. Don't mess around with it? No, don't. The cougar you saw where where was that up high too? It was. It was right on the rim as well. And that was that was interesting because I was glassing up some bucks and there was a hmm, there was a buck in there. It was a three point, it was like a thirty plus inch. It might have been like thirty-two, big old three point. And he was running with seven or eight other bucks. And I was glassing them up and they're kind of spread across this hillside feeding early in the morning. It's just getting light. And I'm watching them, and all of a sudden, um, they just all run together. Like they all just, like a magnet, cluster up. Now you got this ball of antlers and mule deer in the middle of this hill. And I'm looking at them, trying to figure out what just spooked them. My wind's right, it's not me. But just prior to that, uh, across the canyon, it's still kind of dark. I see all these elk funneling out of this other Mm -hmm. valley. I couldn't figure that out. Like why are they running at this time? You know, they should be be, uh, just chill. Well, what that was, was a cat had snuck down that valley. It pushed those elk out, and it came between me and those muleys, and those muleys obviously picked up that cat before I did. And, uh, and because I looked over, and as I saw those, those critters all clustered up, I looked to my right, and there was that cat just crouched down, just looking right at me, 50 yards away, just staring right at me. And so um, I tried, tried to get a picture, but I just couldn't get it hmm. with my spotter and that was, uh, yeah, that was interesting and cool. But that country is just loaded with cats. And I, I talked to you, and you actually advised me to get a cougar tag if yeah. I was going to be there because you you told me you're probably going to see one. Every time you've been down there in that country, you've seen seen cats. So, yeah, I probably should have got one, but I, you know, I wouldn't have got a shot on that one anyway.
1: Yeah, but so. the way you hike and the, the country you cover, I would say probability-wise, Yeah, you'd be a good candidate to get a cougar tag. I know the one I did see a couple years ago was just, I I, I think I went somewhere most people don't go to look down in glass at night, and there was a cougar sunning right there and finally saw me and got up, and it would have been a 10-yard shot. I mean, I didn't have anything with me when I saw that.
2: smart thing to do is just have a tag in your pocket in case you get into a situation like that. So
1: compare and contrast
2: the unit you hunted
1: last year Mm -hmm. and you obviously don't say what but i know it was a super easy to draw because you burned your points the year before like so what was that country like and what was that hunt like
2: this past season um so i drew still nevada yep still nevada uh went in just kind of like most guys do it's well known you shoot for the stars in nevada and then if, if you're not looking to gain points you just put a couple of easier draw tags at the end the fourth and fifth and uh Lo and behold, I drew it. And it was a unit that I looked at on my way back from the prior year when, when me and you were down there. And it's great country. It's just, just like most of those ranges are down there long, skinny, north south running ridge. And um, there's just, it's just mountain range after mountain range after mountain range like that, you know? So I, I looked at that and I don't know what the heck. It's decent draws I put in. And I talked to a couple guys that um, kind of knew the area. Uh, Tim Burnett's one of them. He was, he was telling me, you know, it's, it's worth it. You know, there's some critters out there. It's cool country. Yep. It's, it's some, there's some good steeps and, and areas to get away. And so I drew it, and after talking to Tim, I was pretty excited. Um, went in there and figured that out. But it, it was a different country. It didn't have, you know, where you and I were, there was, uh, it was high desert, but it was like sage flats, not too far away. It almost felt like you were on the valley floor. Almost. Especially with the cows that we were mm-hmm. running to. Uh, but pretty thick sage areas. And then, you know, rimmy, alpine avalanche shooty type stuff as well. This country was a little bit different than that. You know, it had a lot of scrub and not the sage flats that this area had. And uh, water was, mm, it, it was pretty prevalent where I was in this unit this last year. It wasn't too hard to find. And same thing. I was seeing a lot of bucks around the water but I wasn't seeing the the big you know real big bucks so how those big ones are getting their water I don't know up in there because it definitely seemed to pick up big bachelor groups of you know good bucks just not that old age class buck Uh, for whatever reason I don't know why that is but um, similar in that it had a lot of the quakies it had um, you know little stands where they could get away and but this unit had some really nice topography for a bow hunter. It had the rocks. It had some rims. It had a lot more little ridges that you could kind of get up on those bucks and actually get a shot. So um, the country you and I were in, it didn't have as much of that. It was, it was pretty intimidating for a bow hunter. It was more of, you know, see them and just do everything you can to get up on them. The thermals were changing like crazy where you and I were. There was no consistency Whereas this spot, this last year that I drew, um, more of your typical early season, high mountain buck hunt. Thermals, you know, they're dropping in the morning, they're coming up midday, and they're dropping down. And the bucks were, you know, bedded anywhere from the lower quarter to the upper quarter end. So um, it was more of your classic, you know, everything you want is a bow hunter type hunt. Where I think you and I can both agree, where you and I were, it was frustrating at times the first year. Yeah, definitely.
1: (laughs) I mean, but... You got it done, and I almost got it done, so it's not that bad of a spot. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely not what I was, you know, you envision Nevada and the bowls yep. and the cliffs and the rocks and the bluffs, and you're putting them to bed and you wait for the thermals and you do your stock, and it's in your socks. You make that shot, and it's probably 40, and yep. it's a done deal, yep. you know.
2: Yep.
1: Um, but
2: yeah, it, it definitely, you know, and where you and I were, there was a lot of variance to the country, but I think what held us up there was there's pretty good amount of deer like you said it's mm-hmm. yeah. good bucks to look at yeah and you hate to leave that so you just don't um one major difference was you and i had moo cows this other range i was in had horses oh really a lot of them and dude the, the horses kind of cool to look at but um really a pain when you're stalking around and there's groups of were they up know, high big old Mustangs. Oh, yeah, right on the tip-tops, right on oh. the tip-tops. So they'll come look at you. You'll see them bedded down. They'll come look at you, and they'll just kind of stand there, you know, a couple hundred yards out. And um, and then they'll get close, and then they'll go back, and it's just they're always in your way. And it seemed like um, probably three, four times I was trying to move, and they would just stay right ahead of me. Similar to with the cows, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was almost like every direction you went, the cows would be in front of you. That's kind of how those horses treated me on this last hunt. So, um, I really didn't start seeing how I was going to make it possible until I got away from those dang horses. So frustrating. Something, as a Washingtonian, we don't have cows in the backcountry. We don't have wild horses running around where you're hunting. So yeah. it's, it's completely different. But That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, you had a great season. Um,
1: what do you – we don't have to talk about the past. Let's talk about the future. What are you looking forward to in 2018? I'm, I mean, I know you're – play the games and get the draw and
2: what do you what do you what do you want to be man so I I'm going into this season as excited as I've ever been for any season it just seems like um you know I'm I'm just so anticipating the season we've got a lot of good plans uh my buddy Jeff Lusk we're gonna go we've put in together well not together but we both are gonna draw a unit in Colorado so we I had some points and this is You know, Colorado is a funny state because, um, you know, I had, I think, five points or something like that. But being a bow hunter, early season muley, I really didn't need those points. No, Um, I've almost been putting in for too long. For a lot of the hunts that I want, they're zero or one point type units. So I just, I don't, it's not, I don't see it as a waste, but I just burned, you know, burned them up. It's like, I just, I want to hunt a unit that I'm going to be able to hunt in two more years. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go learn a unit and then have to spend another five and with the the point creep it's probably I'd be putting in for a unit that's five this year it may be seven or eight here Mm -hmm. in a few as is not something I wanted to do so we went ahead and put in on a unit um, high mountain unit early August so we're going to go do that and that's going to be exciting it's got a uh, over-the-counter elk tag available option so uh, we're going to focus completely on muleys yeah in the beginning and not even address the elk and then uh um if things work out and we make it all happen we're gonna we're gonna you know get our elk tags and, and stay there and go after them but um at that point we'll have a lot better knowledge of the unit what's there if those bulls are up top and and where we're going to be chasing muleys but is muleys little last saturday in august it is i think it's the 25th this year oh that's a good year yeah 25th so it's you know um it's not nevada it's not August 10th, but I think those six days there um, prior to September, you know, those are going to be our best. Obviously, the first few. So we're getting in getting there, there early. Yeah, getting okay. in there Good. plenty. And you know, um, one thing that has is on my mind. And I've never—I don't know about you, Dan, but have you have you dealt with altitude sickness at all? Have you ever been in an area where you actually just felt a little. it?
1: Little. I killed a bull in New Mexico, and it was where there's sheep, and I think it was just a touch under 11 okay where i shot this bowl and i felt pretty sick i had a headache i felt fatigue lethargic and i couldn't drink enough water and i think i actually had to like i don't know i think
2: yeah do you like nauseous and stuff like
1: that i didn't have i wasn't nausea but it was like it wasn't that it was just pure fatigue and Hmm. headache and just no motivation after right. I killed that bull. Because I still had a couple of days to help some other friends. And I think after we got my bull back to camp, I stayed in camp for a day. Which is not like me. I may not to squander a second, but
2: have yeah. you? I have not. I never have. But it's on my mind. Yeah. And so, you know, it seems like being from Washington, I'm at sea level. Yeah. I, mean, I think my house is parked at like 350 feet above mm-hmm. sea level. You know, that's where I live. Well, um, I've skied... I've skied a lot. I've never had an issue. I've mm-hmm. skied A Basin in Colorado, and that was at 13,000 feet um, and never had an issue. But I hear so many horror stories. And so we're going we're gonna to tackle this as if it's a possibility. So we're going to get there smart. a few days ahead. Last thing I want to do is to have to just run down the mountain and get lower in elevation and, and ruin a hunt. This is such a – I'm going to put such an emphasis on this hunt that definitely going to get there – have a few days to acclimate, slowly move our way up, and and um, and also have a few days to scout.
1: I think, so, and there's deer down low that people aren't looking at. Sure, and I think that'll give you some time. But if you took gave yourself three days to get to the the max elevation you're going to be at, and just drink water and got sleep. Yep. Your body's gonna acclimate, but no one does that. That's when the people get sick. And you know, when one dude died in Wyoming a couple years ago from altitude sickness, no did you ever hear about that? No. Gosh, I wish I had the. I don't have internet or a computer in front of me. I could Google it in a second. But uh, we need like a Joe Rogan, Jamie. I know. Hey, Jamie, look that up. But yeah, Jeff Lusk. Oh, Jeff. altitude sickness, Wyoming. Wyoming. We'll get that to you. So it's a real thing. And uh, I've only had it once, but, um, you know, I think, isn't there a supplement you can take
2: like bitter root extract? Yeah. And I know several companies have, I think Mountain Ops has one called, was it Solitude? I think so. They've got one. Um, Yeah. I don't know what exactly what the chemical makeup of it that, that helps. Uh, I know guys will take, she would, (laughs) she's out walking the daughter right now, but uh, Diamox is something that people take for, you know, kind of eliminating the symptoms that helps um we were joking around last night i've also heard guys take cialis oh for whatever reason uh something about blood flow to the lungs or something like that that helps but we've uh, uh we decided if we're going to take some we're going to go with the Diamox. man 30 dies of altitude sickness
1: hunting in the wyoming mountains that was in 2015 a guy named ben sloan died of altitude sickness while hunting elk and mule deer and uh the whole story but it's real. I think he was from the Midwest. So. Solo
2: solo hunting or? Uh,
1: no, he's with his, family. with his family. And I think okay. they left him in the tent uh the one day he wasn't feeling good. Just he's like, nah, go hunt. I'll I'll and they came back and he was not, that's he was scary not stuff. alive. So I mean it is a real thing, but, but I, I think d- you'll be fine. You're really fit, you're young, mm-hmm. you're smart, you're gonna go up.
2: I did I, I I don't know enough about it to like I just don't know because I've never experienced it. I yeah. like to think that's gonna continue. But the last thing in the world I want to do is not be precautious and just I just want to take you know do anything and everything to ensure that that hunt's going to be you know on a level that that we're comfortable with and we're not having any issues we have to dump dump down and and wreck a few days of acclimation. So. Well, yeah, you should be
1: careful, and I can say because I've I've hunted with you in the same country, you hike way faster than I do. Like Mm -hmm. you cover like. I'm Dan, the fitness man, dude. I fitness is my ally. I tell people like, that's why I get animals killed is because I just don't give up and I'm yeah. fit and I can keep hitting it, dude. I hunted with you, and I was telling the guy Jacob I was with, I was like, I don't know if I ever met anyone who covers that much country that fast. You're you're a little, you know, you're not short. You got a good stride, and you're really lean and you move fast. So I would definitely be cautious because you could go well, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to keep going. You know, I mean, a guy like you is really mentally tough and, you know, just, yeah, be smart about it. And,
2: yeah. um,
1: I think it's a good thing for us to bring up. I think people should think about, it, especially you Colorado guys.
2: Yeah. So it'll be a learning experience for me. Um, like I've mentioned, I I've never hunted Colorado. It's been on the bucket list for a while. So I've always been pretty content with, um, you know, similar to you with Washington and Idaho and Montana, just over the counter hunts and, um, just getting that bug now the last few years to really branch out and look at these new locations and new states and colorado's been one that i've been wanting to do forever it's like the mule deer mecca it is and um and so yeah it's it's uh that's the first time of the year i mean uh, i can't say that i'm, I'm going to do another bear hunt with my daughter just prior to that just oh, prior yeah. to that hunt we've got we got some fall bear hunts um hoping the berries are going to be popping prior to that hunt uh, where we can go out and it's funny my daughter and I we got a we got a bear that we saw last year uh, just this jet black beautiful you know not a huge bear but a good. he was a good sized bear last year and it was a beautiful day when we were up there we we're eating berries sitting on this in this alpine setting and and looking across and it was like a quarter mile away this bear and we you know my daughter was so jacked up to try to get down there and try to get over to it and we spent we spent a while I don't know a half hour an hour trying to figure out a route to get there, and without rope and a harness we could not get down far enough to where we could shoot over and, and go after that bear. So we, uh, I mean I'm bummed out when something like that doesn't happen. Um, you got to leave something just because you can't access it. So we uh, luckily what happened was we we had to back out and I told her well you know what we'll just go try to find another bear. Um, we're not going to risk life and limb to go check. Try to get in there. I, if we did get down there somehow, I don't think we'd get back out. So, <laughs> um, you know, my daughter was eight. I wanted to be super safe and not have any issues. But then, you know, we, we got that bear a little after that, about probably only an hour and a half after that. We found another just beautiful chocolate, and we got that one. But my daughter remembers that big jet black we She's saw. She's not going to forget it. No, we're going after that bear. So um hoping he's going to be in the sim- same basin. I'm assuming he will. And um going to bring, yeah. Gear to get down after them and little harness, little little rope, drop her down there and should be fun. But uh, she's not able to shoot a bear yet. I kind of set. I guarantee she gets that. Yeah, she'll do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge. And um,
1: I just love that your daughter wants to go with you hunting. Yeah. Period. Like, who cares if you guys get anything? I mean, you probably will, but you'll get an opportunity. But she's learning about being in the backcountry and earning it yep. and she's learning about you know you're not going to get those days back with your daughter and she's you know five years could hate you just because of her hormones i've heard it you happens. know so yeah. that's pretty cool and and uh, i don't know about you but my dad taking me hunting at about that age planted the seed it locked it in right it's locked yeah and it doesn't always come to fruition right away but it it does it,
2: it, yeah and that's i've kind of struggled with this you know she's eight so she's she's a couple years well, she's nine now. She just turned nine. But, um, you know, I've always set that limit at 10 before I'll actually allow her to pull the trigger on anything. She's passed her online course and all that. She's just smart, smart, smart kid. We haven't gone through the actual instructor course yet. Yeah. No. But that'll be next. But she, um, you know, she's, she's got a, a desire to go do these things and i i kind of have always wondered even before i had her like if i did have kids what what's going to be that thing that um that locks it in to where they just want to do it you know they they don't get turned off to it and i don't know if there's something specific that we can do as parents that parents that locks that in i always kind of go back and look at what my dad did and he was he didn't take me for a while and when i was really young i just wanted to go bird mm-hmm. hunting he didn't take me but he would come back and he'd show off all these birds and you know pheasant and, fish and stuff like that. Um, he'd take me fishing. But uh, for the young, young years, I don't know what age I was, but it was it was early. He just wouldn't take me and then he'd show me these animals and he'd tell me all these stories. And I wanted it so bad. I was like, I gotta I wanna go. I wanna be able to do what you're doing. And so um, I think that want, 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 and then eventually came that day where he's like, Okay, let's go. We're gonna go we're gonna go on a quail hunt. And that was my first hunt ever. And, you know, that was that was a time where I had, I had passed my course, and he took me out there with the dogs, and we chased quail. But, you know, you wanted, I wanted it so bad that it was like the fire was lit prior to me even going out and actually hunting myself. So I don't know if that's a strategy that works for everybody, um, because there's also something to be said about taking them young and just getting them used to it and always showing them a good time. And I think you got to be careful with that, though, because you don't want to, like, frustrate them. Um, you don't want to put them in like bad weather conditions or real like long term like boredom and I worry about that, so I'm gonna kind of narrow her little mini hunts to like two day trips, yeah, in areas where we see stuff we're gonna see bears, we're gonna see goats, we're gonna see you know we're gonna be able to eat berries and we're gonna be able to fish and we're gonna do have all these little activities where we're not just sitting on a knob and we're glassing all day. yeah, I think she would. I think that may turn her off, may turn a lot of kids off to hunting, period, because it's so boring for a kid, um, especially in today's world where everything's kind of fast and jacked up. Yeah. But um, I want to be very cautious as to how I introduce her to it. And last year's was perfect because we had all that interaction. We had all those little experiences. And um, I'm just going to really focus my attention on keeping her happy and, you know, interested and showing her new things and kind of teaching her and. You know, keep it a real learning and, and upbeat experience, and that's that's what this year is going to be on this bear hunt too. And it'll be jacked up with a little bit of rappelling.
1: <laughs> Dude, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, you better get some good video of that. That'll be cool. Yeah, that's. I'm uh, um, sure you'll get, get some it. flack if you
2: post it that you're not yeah. being safe or something. Yeah, she'll be she'll be tied off. She'll be safe, but that's that is one thing. Um, we are going to video a lot this year. Yeah. Something I've never really done. Why not at all and I, I, I'm now as I get older, I kick myself more and more for not having videos because me and my daughter will sit in bed in the morning and she just want to see like old clips she loves watching videos it doesn't matter if it's just me talking to my phone when I'm hunting or something like that just talking about random stuff but uh, I wish I had way more clips of my hunts you know ten years ago twenty years ago mm-hmm. when I was just a young guy to show her now and so I am starting late but we're definitely going to film a lot this year, pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, and it will be a lot of solo stuff on some of these trips, but um, also got some young folks that want to come along, tag along, and just kind of film and, and whatnot. So that'll be fun. That's
1: cool. That, so we did, we got to talk about elk hunting. So you're going to be elk hunting potentially Colorado, OTC. Yes. Uh, are you know, to be bop to Idaho or Montana?
2: Yeah. So uh, I've got Montana. Um, for sure i'm still waiting to see if i drew anything as far as uh a a unit but if if i don't i'm hunting you got your general yeah so um got some areas that i found last year that i really liked but i was not successful on um ended up hunting a different part of montana where i got my bull last year but uh still i'm drawn back to these areas where it felt right it felt good it looked elky I think the wolves may have just had them out of there at that time frame. So I'm going to go back to those areas for over-the-counter elk in Montana. Uh, Idaho, we're going to be doing a mule deer hunt, and then as well as a mule deer hunt in Like the same as last year's? Yeah, similar, um, but in a completely different area. Cool. Uh, Elk, Washington, for sure. Uh, That's My home state has been good to me. Yeah, and I
1: don't I, even hunt Washington. Is I mean, it, is it cool to it. hunt there?
2: <laughs> you know, Washington elk hunting is, it is cool if if you uh, if you have some spots. Yeah. Like, y- you can really uh, kind of get messed up with people. You know, there's there can be places that are just overrun with people. Yeah. And it's always a challenge. You know, you could have had a spot to yourself last year. You get there this year, there's a ton of people, and, and you got to move, and you got to Just keep looking for new spots and um you know, I've got a half a dozen places that I've always, you know, felt good about not running into folks and I never run into folks there. Oh really? So I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep pounding away at those places and I was gonna ask you if
1: there was a number of vehicles at a trailhead that will make you turn around.
2: But (laughs) apparently it's still zero. Well, yeah, it is. And it, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to figure out who's a hunter and who's a hiker. Oh, yeah. On some of the trailheads up and down the coast. Especially it's, on your side of the state where, you know, there's a lot. You, you don't know. There's just a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. One thing um that we try to do now, and kind of have to, is uh, hike in at night. Usually hike out at Love night. Love it. It's one of those things. Um Unfortunately, people are looking to find your areas these days. And it's just, I don't know, it's gotten to that point, unfortunately. So I just don't want, especially coming out if you got a bull, I don't want to be packing that big old bull down the trail, be bopping down. Even if it is just amongst hikers, you know, those hikers can talk too. So I just like to keep that stuff quiet. And, um, you know, yeah, I'm not going to say that I'm not ending up at trailheads where there's not five, six cars, because there is, but generally those guys are just through hiking into some lake somewhere um you know not hunting so it's the nice thing about washington though is there is there is a lot of area it just takes a long time to figure it out the thing is about you you're on the complete opposite side of the state so yeah
1: i mean idaho is just right there
2: yeah I, you got idaho in your backyard yeah which if i lived where you did i wouldn't run all the way to the west side of washington yeah. to hunt the coast um it's just completely different and honestly i enjoy it much more over your neck of the woods with the openness there's a lot more bulls let's face it um but i think filling my tag in washington filling the freezer with a big old rosie uh that's something special now i I enjoy that hunt every year and it's 30 40
1: bucks for uh, a rosie who's got 350 how much
2: meat Uh, usually I get about between 300 and 330, right in there. that's a lot of meat for for 30,
1: 40 bucks.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Rockies over, I don't know what what you're pulling off for meat, if you weigh it, but, um, what, 250? I have hit three on a couple of bulls in just that North Idaho area. Yeah.
1: Um, but I don't think they average that, especially when I shoot some satellites, no. No. But, um... And the bull last year had to be all the 300 because, I mean, not even halfway through them yet. And I've given some away to some friends and family and stuff right.
2: like that. So, right. Yeah. So, um, I think for myself, it's going to be, I got some milk tags this year with Colorado, uh, most likely. It's
1: going to be an elk it, year it, and a big it, mule deer. It could be.
2: I think if, uh, if I don't end up getting that over the counter, Uh, archery tag i'm gonna go even go back to colorado in november and and hunt i've I've had somebody make an offer to to come in and just chase him around on some public land so another bucket list hunt late season that's cool so what about you what do you have for this year
1: i still it's still coming together but i I know one
2: thing you will have and that's two (laughs) idaho elk tags
1: (laughs) yeah well actually i don't know if i'm gonna do that this year i got uh yeah i have uh i will do the I'll do an unlimited white, uh, antelope hunt in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's something I can do with my dad still. Um, so not that my dad's a geezer, but it's just a fun, fun hunt. Okay. Um, so that's mid-August. I think before that I'll do like a solo bear hunt in Washington. And I'm just going to have to figure out uh, – got a couple options there, but it's there's a couple
2: places to open like you know August 1st. So I'd like to do a little bit of bear hunting like a like – you sent me a photo of a bear in Washington. I've never seen a bear like that. Yeah, what's wrong with that bear? It's the, huge. The bear's got diabetes. Is that it? I don't know what. He is a monster. I did. Have you been working on trying to find that bear?
1: You know, I think I've, I think I saw him last year in person, and I was hunting the state that uh, I was deer hunting, and you can't shoot bears when you're uh, baiting for deer. Gotcha. And uh, I was in a spot where I had a tree stand up. I have a couple spots. But I have this bear wallow that I've been hunting, and I've killed a few bears off of. And uh, for whatever reason, that bear never watered there this year. Mm. But he was only a mile or two away to my other tree stand where it's for deer. And Yeah, he made an appearance. And you know, when he showed up was like November 20th. No way. Yeah. And then I even had a couple, like, I think on that stand I had a bear. The day I killed my big mountain buck this year, I had a black bear in the morning come through. And that was like november twenty eighth or something like bears were just out late over there, really yeah, wow, no, I but I'd like to hunt um not way over by you, but I like to hunt kind of a central state bear, like mm-hmm. and I'm just not gonna put a lot of energy into it. I'm just wanna like go by myself and go for like two or three days and just kind of just do something kind of horrible, deep, and then um head down to antelope and then my buddy Ryan Altus and I put in together for Wyoming, so we're gonna go to awesome. Wyoming, we drew that um. I'm kind of all in on that hunt. Like Ryan killed a 368 bull there last year. Ryan is like a trophy hunter. <laughs> I am not. He kills some monsters. He does. He holds. He passes on elk that I can't. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how long I last yeah. down there. But I think he'll be there the full season. And I'm going to prepare to be down there, I guess, all of September. Holy cow, um, that's good. If, if for whatever reason I'm done early, I'll
2: probably go to North Idaho and gotcha. just finish up there. Have you ever missed a season in North Idaho? It seems like every year I see a, a pick or two for no, the last I, I don't long think I ever have. I've seen two elk photos of you yeah. every year, forever.
1: I don't think I have. I think I always try to get over there. And, and I do have a big bull, finally. And he's nowhere near where I met you. I met Ryan, by the way, in North Idaho, in a spot that mm-hmm. um, our buddy Kenton hunts. But I met him over there. Met yep. you in the back country. Yeah. And uh, I think I found an arrow or something
2: I I think, where was I, I think I packed a bull out and I left and some, one of my arrows popped out of my quiver yeah. as I was coming back or something like that. And, uh, you were gracious enough to swing it by.
1: Yeah. So I think we exchanged numbers or something. I don't know what, but yeah. I definitely called you a couple of years later.
2: Um, that was a long time ago too. That was, I don't even remember how many years ago that was, but, uh, that was prior to, you know, wolves being in there super thick and all yeah. that it, you know prior to being just completely changed with the magical wolf situation it yeah. was
1: magical in there
2: it was so that was
1: not even close to there but like somewhere like down super low by the river i found a like a, a 350 bull that i hunted the whole, basically september 22nd through the 30th i found him pretty late um and i hopefully he made it he he lives in an area that's just almost impossible hmm. um because of how thick it is. And it's not like huckleberry brush. That's not thick. But it's like whatever that Alderfield stuff is. I don't know what the... It's mind-numbing
2: to try to get through it.
1: And he knows that. And yeah. he like... Usually the elk are out of there. But once the daylight hits that, because it gets pretty hot in there, he's got some some shade holes in there or something. Because he doesn't leave that alder field really ever. He does bugle.
2: You're hearing him in there. He's just not coming out of it. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I no usually start...
1: I figured them, I figured them out to where I'd hunt them from below in the morning. So I'd start hiking in the dark and there's a lot of feeder creeks. So it's like really tough to hear. So you have to like kind of guess where to go in that day Mm. and hike in the dark and get to where you can hear. And then his bugle is one of those like unmistakable, you know, ones, Mm. like a lot of mature bulls over there in North Idaho. Like, you know,
2: okay, that's. Wow. Yeah, so it's funny how it's hard to explain. Like, well, that one's got a uniqueness to it. Yeah, but a lot of times, one of the bulls that you hunt does have something about it. Yeah, like maybe it's got a glunk, or maybe it's got a certain tone at the end or the beginning, or some type of growl that he never squeals. Or something different about yeah. it. This one just—it's pure
1: rasp in the beginning. It's, he's pushing air but nothing's coming out he stretched those vocals to where he's yeah he's so old probably and he yeah. just pushes it out and so my best chance on him this year was was the first day that I actually like, I kind of spent a couple days trying to listen not hunt him but just kind of listen kind of figured out his area that came in below in the dark kind of gambled and took me a, like probably from first light till about 9 10 to get Within archery range, and I met him right at his brush field. And if I had one of those like elk decoy things that's in front of your bow, I think I think that would probably work. But I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Have you ever decoyed? On only other states, okay, and it's worked in Montana and, and New Mexico. Okay, but but I I basically got to about 11 yards from him in that stuff, and I had a lane. And I had the sun hitting it, and he was just behind there raking, and I had his cows around me, and I'm like, dude, (laughs) this is happening. And it was just one of those, you know... Perfect setup. It's just, you did it right. I've had that happen, you know, a few times in my hunting career. It's just, And then he literally just read the script, and he's like, I'm going to walk through your lane, and I should have drawn but the way he angled his body, I thought he was going to go to my right. So I'm like, hold on a second. And then next thing I know he's already in my lane and my bow's not pulled back. And he whirls his head right at me. And I'm in like Alders and he just stared at me. I got it on video and it's on a camera that's in the mountains. I don't know where, um, but, uh, he stared at me for about 11, uh, from 11 yards for about a minute. And i Finally, he turned his head and I just pulled back and I was almost kind of partially drawn. You know how like your elbows up, your hands extended, your release on. I'm like that. So that's pretty uncomfortable for a minute. And then as soon as he turned his head, I pulled back and I feel like he heard my cams rolling and he just bolted. But I got... The best look at them ever. They're so fast. I was like, oh, cool. (laughs) There is a 350 plus inch bull in here. I've just never seen one till today. Dude,
2: that's impressive for North Country. I don't know. They don't, you don't see a lot of giant bulls like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's There's some in there, but uh, to lay eyes on one is is so
1: rare. And I'm not like the best trophy guy, but I've taped enough bulls to where main beams are pretty important. And I don't know about you, but just a lot of bulls don't have a lot of main beam. Right. Where we we used to hunt and... Yeah, he's got them. So yeah, that's I'll probably uh, just spend time in Wyoming, and then I didn't draw my late season Arizona tag, which bums me out. So I'll probably do mountain Mountain Bucks for whitetails in November, and if I spend all my time in Wyoming, I'll probably buy a rifle tag for North Idaho and hunt with bow. Okay, you ever
2: done that move? I have. Yeah, in Montana. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, Any same advice? Rifle hunts, but no. I you know I've never hunted in Wyoming. It's another state I've never hunted, but never. That's good mule deer in Wyoming, dude. I uh, know. I've heard. I've heard. It's just another state over. <laughs> it's, a, it's such a far distance. Where we live, uh, and you live, like, what, four or five hours from me? Yeah. I'm
1: Washington's west. kind of a cool state, but, man, it's not central.
2: No, like, it's not. Like Salt Lake City would be Utah, kind of— yeah. yeah. That's U- your central— Utah, you just go every direction. you got giant, you know, great mule deer country to, to go tackle. But Washington, we're out there. So when I look at Colorado, and it's always been kind of a sticky point, like, ah, it's a long ways. Wyoming's a long ways. And yet every year I go to Montana, sometimes east Montana, which is, you know, that's 17, it's 18 North hours for me. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So it's a it's a long drive. But, um, you know, Wyoming will be in the cars in and, and, you know some year in the future but slowly branching out Dan I I think you're
1: doing like you've done great the last few years branching out and um I wouldn't want to be a mature
2: animal (laughs) and have you in my unit so (laughs) um, Uh, look out I I, I think uh yeah I, I, I had no idea that you'd actually lay down Idaho and go chase him in a different state oh yeah i bet just having ryan Altus with you is uh that's a big motivator that though.
1: bolsters the confidence oh um, smokes
2: that guy does he a, ever kill anything under 350
1: or uh yeah but there's like <laughs> something really cool about it like oh uh, <laughs> double drop time bull right. it's pretty cool you know stuff but man no he gets after it and uh
2: yeah, he's good people so are you gonna film that hunt
1: for Wyoming? we here? have a guy that's coming who's a resident of wyoming mm-hmm and he is going to film. Um, I could care less though. Like if I need to go kill this elk and he's, I could care less if we get a kill shot on mm-hmm. camera. I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm there to hunt. Yeah. Uh, I do. I hunt for me. I don't hunt for YouTube or, yeah. um, and so, but yeah, we have a guy cause you know, that residence I got I talked about it on a podcast before. I don't understand it. I pay taxes. I live in the United States of America. I should be able to hunt wherever I want. Now you take my hunting tag away. I'm allowed to go hike into this wilderness but I can't hunt but it. Can't That's hunt just like...
2: It. So weird, And right? every
1: Wyoming outfitter that listened to this is like not agreeing. Sure. But come on, man. Like, no. This is America. It doesn't sh- make any sense. You think that'll change in the next few years? If somebody rich enough wants to lawsuit
2: it up, I think you'd win. There's no justification of it. Oh, I know. I, I just got a feeling that it will. It just seems like more common sense. I don't know. It just seems like it will. Like It's got to. It doesn't... Uh, I don't see the argument for it, unless mm-hmm. you're an outfitter, of course. And Wyoming's Outfitter
1: Association is pretty strong. Sure. I mean, they're pretty influential in the state.
2: Yeah. but uh, So you guys are going to have a resident with you, so yeah. you're able to dip into the wilderness if yeah. you need to. Yeah. That's and perfect. Ryan said he
1: did dip into the wilderness, but eventually ended up killing that 368 outside of the building. Outside, yeah. But it's a good area. I burned um, all my points mm-hmm. to give Ryan, because Ryan hunted last year, so... I burned all my points so he cool. can go, and I'm like with you in Colorado. I need to get my act together. I think I have 11 points for deer and elk. I don't know what I'm doing. Holy smokes! I mean, I would love Hair to bow hunt. Hunter. I know, but I really want to hunt elk in that northeast corner mm. in Mule deer I could care less. Like a 160
2: buck is cool. Mm-hmm. I don't care. But so I need to burn those. Tell me about your experiences in Montana hunting elk. You've, you've dipped into Montana a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I've only killed a
1: couple bulls in Montana and they've all been like the checkerboard private property okay um like central montana game and i just i liked it but i i've only killed elk in october because i'd hunt idaho and then you you know montana season goes through mid-october archery um that's
2: what i love about it that's what i love about it too so spend all your time in those areas you know in idaho and then you got 10 days or 15 days in october
1: but what's up with uh, the general tags being scooped up now? Like, for years, um, when they switched over, I could just go pick up a leftover tag. Like, I don't want to front Montana thousand bucks till I know everything I've drawn. Yeah, and like, so you already had to like pay it for is your a tag. Lot.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially going the combo. Well,
1: why wouldn't you? What's yeah. it? Eight fifty for elk tag, thousand for your deer and elk. You deer have to, they. Elk. They know what they're doing. Yep. but uh, I'd like to hunt more Montana, and I don't want to hunt brush. If I want to hunt brush, I'll hunt North Idaho. So I want to stay clear of the Idaho border. I'd like the Let's, Southwest Montana. Yeah. Have you
2: been down there? Yes. I love it down there. That is um, that is some just classy, classy, super sexy elk country down there. Uh, just the trees and the burns, and the, it's just more open. It's glassable. It's, it's really good for spot and stock. Um, it's got a little bit of everything mm-hmm. versus, I know what you're talking about, the Northwest up in there it's it's so similar to Idaho you can't even tell the difference it's thick you're not seeing them unless they're really close it's just it's just that same thing but i spent time in both areas last year you know i spent a lot of time up northwest corner and chasing that and that is an area that haunts me because it's i know there's big great bulls up in there and i like the country but it's I don't think elk hunting can get any more frustrating than Northwest Montana. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Similar to North Idaho is you.
1: If you get into elk in that brush country, you can call and you're going to have encounters, but there's no guarantee about getting shots. Right. And how many elk? And this is a good Uh, stat. How many elk in North Idaho? Because you used to hunt it a lot. Mm -hmm. Have you seen under? I'm going to say 20 yards and not let an arrow
2: go. Too many to admit. Yeah, I mean, some absolute monsters. Every, you, you can have everything work out. They come into your effective shooting range, and everything is perfect, but there's just brush between you and them, and they're staring a hole through you, and you can't move, and you can't break sticks anymore, and you can't make elk noises. and um, So many times where that's happened, and they just end up walking away. I mean, too many times. Huh. And it's just the same in, in Northwest Montana.
1: Really? Yeah yeah i yeah uh, i like like i said southwest and i'd really like to hunt south the southeast mm. area it's there's a lot of private um mm-hmm. but i still think that southeast montana's probably got some of the biggest bulls in the world yeah but people they yep. don't want me to talk and about but.
2: and yeah for sure yeah i i'd like to i'd like to hunt the east side i've hunted it once east side of montana i drew for elk uh, i drew a brakes tag a long time oh, ago oh okay um Um, but I went at it with a rifle and that was was quite a few years ago. I feel like that's not fair for the elk. Yeah, well, it was a fun hunt though because I was in an area where um, not a lot of bulls, to be honest. There There was a decent amount, but it was everything we had to turn up a mature bull, even with a rifle. So all your effort wasn't into getting in tight. It was into covering country and glassing and just doing everything you could to find that one so that was the hunt the hunt wasn't getting in tight um whereas there's there's a lot of breaks tags over there where there's a lot higher density and it's about trying to get in on them with a bow um and avoiding people Mm -hmm. but this was one where the density was super low and uh, everything everything you could do just to find one um i know we were over there like 10 days before we actually found a good like a real healthy mature bull that i wanted to put my tag on so
1: well if hopefully hillary doesn't listen to this how many days did you hunt last year ish
2: Mm. 30 60 let me me break my toes out fingers out uh so august uh that's probably mm, at least 20 days in august oh well over 60 well over 60 yeah wow probably
1: 70 ish yeah Yep. How much work do you have to do leading up to the season with your business, uh, with Joey, uh, your fish fish mm-hmm. feed business, mm-hmm. yep. as
2: well as taking care of your house? Yeah, a family. lot. You like, can't believe how tight my lawn is before I leave the house. Everything is immaculate. It's the one time a year where the house is in ship shape. Yep. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the struggle. I mean, that's the struggle when you have a family. You know, I've got a great wife and two daughters. So, yeah, a big part of hunting season is is taking care of that end and making sure your family's good, and making sure everything's taken care of. The house is right, you know, bills, all that stuff is is dialed before you leave. I mean, that's your responsibility. So um, that toppled with just all the preparation and you know, feeling you're at, you know, you, you've got everything you need in your arsenal as far as your shooting, your your you know, physical preparation, your mental game, and. And you've done all the homework that you need to have done prior to you taking off on a big old expensive trip. Um, but yeah, that's a big part of it. And uh, my wife is right there and she will tell you that it's uh, it's it's something that you have to do. Like you have to get everything right prior to going for sure. Yeah. I, spend, I spend, you know, and the other thing is I garden a lot. So that time of year, you're also trying to find an hour here, an hour there to like prepare your food and preserve your food and can Seriously. your food and
1: you have a huge garden. You yeah, guys, there's not enough time. You told in me, August. I'm going to quote you. I'm like, Ryan, what do you actually buy at the grocery store? And you're like, well, two things, maybe butter
2: yeah. or peanut, peanut butter, butter yeah. coconut oil, coconut oil. <laughs> <Try> <laughs> that, to, that'd be about it. I mean, that's, that's embellishing. Definitely. Sure. But, but I get the point. We try to get, try to get as much as possible grown and put away through meat. So all the meat is obviously from what we do in the fall, but then, Uh, All the veggies and all that kind of stuff, everything that you can put up either in the freezer for leafy greens or, you know, if you want smoothies and you can live on smoothies, you can powder the stuff and dehydrate, you know, every green that you can imagine and powder it and use it that way. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's endless if you have a big garden and you're a hunter. To all the meals and all the food that you can put on the table for your family. So badass. What about work? Like how do you
1: do the time off, the payroll, like you run the shop? Like so how, how do you answer put out fires?
2: The only reason that it works for me is cuz uh I've got the greatest partner in the world in Joe. Joey. Uh that guy even if there is a problem uh when I'm hunting, he he's so good at what he does and he cares. He just knows not to bother me with it. Wow. Um, that's hard to find, right? People are kind of...
1: That's probably almost impossible to find. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. So, um, but yeah, we're basically like brothers. You know, we've grown up together and spent so much time in the mountains. Um, I try to give him his time and he gives me mine. So it's, it's a back and forth. But, um, yeah, it, it, I don't know where I'd be as far as how many days I'd get to burn in the fall season without him, um taking care of the business and just kind of overseeing every little thing yeah yeah it's unbelievable so and
1: then you guys sit down because he's a quite the hunter himself yes and kind of like line out
2: who drew what and right. okay i'm going yeah. here you're going there yeah we do we do for sure and the one thing that that's fortunate for us though being in the fishing business is that time of year especially the later season uh and you'll notice i get to spend a lot more time archery hunting early seasons august september uh, he spends a lot more of his days off later, like October, November, when our season really just gets quiet. So um, the business isn't firing on all cylinders at that time, or more seasonal, like this time of year, spring, all through the summer and, and into the early part of fall. But you know, a lot of the guys that fish also hunt, so it really does slow down. So it's it's kind of the perfect business um, good that to be in for that, and it just was worked out, and yeah there's always stressors there's always things that come out that you know i feel like i probably should not spend so much time in the mountains but um you know i only want to compromise so many things
1: <laughs> you get to, you
2: get one shot at it man you do yeah i just got to be careful these days you know um I, I used to fish a lot i've eliminated fishing from any. I, I don't fish anymore um i used to shed hunt a lot i don't really shed hunt a whole lot anymore um And those are just things that I'm sacrificing so that I've got those days in the fall built up.
1: Oh, my gosh. This is like the greatest. I mean, I'm with you in this same capacity. It's I have this capacity. I have to start shutting things down for my family. Yeah. But I still am filling up that calendar, August, September, and November are my three months. And I'm writing them in there then i don't feel bad right and i'm remodeling my gym and i'm remodeling my house right now and i haven't shed hunted once this year that's never happened
2: yeah but but it's peace of mind right you feel a little better about yes. it versus if you if i was shed hunting every single weekend and i wasn't getting all my duties done as a as a husband and a father uh and then come fall season and i'm still doing the same thing i'm gone for weeks on end eh, it just wouldn't feel right you know something wrong about that in my mind um you know you want to be responsible you want to be respectful and um you know i am perfectly fine my biggest passion is hunting in the fall so i'm perfectly okay with sacrificing still very much love shed hunting and getting out in spring i used to turkey hunt a lot i used to fish a ton beaver ponds to high lakes to um steelhead and quite honestly i've given all that up and it's been a steady progression year after year and now I'm at the point where I, I really just don't do it much at all but um, come fall season I feel like I've sacrificed some yep to feel better about what I'm doing and taking these days off in the fall so that's what it's all about for sure okay well what else you want to talk about oh man I'd like to talk I'd like to you know learn from you I mean you've done You've done so much, man. Uh, it's shocking. I know I got to talk to you about a goat hunt you did last year. Was that last year?
1: It was, uh, was that year before?
2: 16. 16? Yeah, that's been something on my bucket list forever. Um, I don't know that I'll ever draw a tag to do it. Uh, I wasn't smart putting in for certain states for goats a long time ago. I don't know how many points it took for you to draw that, but I put in for my home state, of Washington, and I still may never draw. Are you
1: doing the raffles in our home state?
2: <sighs> no, I, I feel I like you to. have to do the raffles too, and then I'm a cheap bugger, though.
1: I know I am too. I will. You have to be when you have kids. But there's a dude who's friends with uh, Aaron Snyder, who I think he got that governor tag. You probably know who it is, like James. Cheap. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For how much? I don't even know.
2: I can't remember. Like, I knew it. I some thought it was point. like five or six grand. I think you're right. And he like walked away with a mountain goat hunt <laughs> in Washington. A super cool hunt. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I heard about that one. That was, and eh. and yet it still didn't motivate me to throw a couple hundred dollars into a hat every year.
1: I feel like you should do that. And I mean, what what's a goat hunt cost nowadays to go to BC
2: and or like Alaska? Oh, we were talking about this last night. Um, is it? Is it? It's gonna be. It's. I mean, anywhere from what? six to ten twelve thousand
1: yeah I'm thinking the median price has got to be close to ten K I will not do that I'm not uh, everything's relative to your hunting budget right and I just feel like if you're like me and you're pretty blue collar like dude you're an asshole if you go hunt for goats when you could be like putting some money where maybe you can help your kids out for college or something
2: I don't know well, as much as, as much as I would love to hunt uh, goats, I also understand that to do that, that would be sacrificing like 10 elk hunts. Think about it that out way. Out-of-state elk Think hunts. Think about that. And oh, I'm no not willing to sacrifice 10 out-of-state elk hunts. A bull bugling. Or on a five combo deer yeah. elk tags. Oh, come on. For I'm one with goat. you. For a goat. <laughs> and I'll be honest, man, the mountain
1: goat I killed, um, we made into jerky after I started cutting into it. I'm like, okay. uh... Jerky, old, old Billy, or um, on his way down for mm-hmm. sure, but still just, just tough, hmm. tough meat. Um, good jerky. Yeah, good jerky. But um, that was a Utah goat. You okay. know, I drew with. There was two non-resident tags. I got the one, and the other guy was from Spokane, who drew the other one. Gotcha. But uh, he had max points. Gotcha, twenty one or twenty. Holy smokes! Or something, and I drew with nine. I had no business drawing that tag, but in our state, like, what's the odds? I mean, is it like ten thousand people putting in for for five
2: tags? Yeah, I think there's a few more than five, and maybe twenty tags in the state. Oh, totally, like yeah, total. But yeah, uh, I'm thinking per unit. Per there's units, ten thousand plus per. I think one of the units does give out five, and there's some give out one and two. I've always struggled with trying to figure out our state because we got a lot of goats in our state.
1: We got a lot of goats, and then I don't understand the point system. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around. They got this hat, and my name. I have so like a guy like me. He's got twelve, like maybe fifteen points. But I'm with you. Our twelve. I don't know what it is, but so if I have twelve points, my name's in the hat 144 times. If you have ten, your hat, your name's in the hat a hundred times. So we just throw that in this hat. There's so many names in the hat because of squaring points. You know, it's cool, yeah, because someone with one point or no points could draw, sure. theoretically, and they do. But I sure would like to see those old-timers. But you could have 20, 25 years of putting in and still not And never draw. draw. And, and never I draw. feel like there's got to be some sort of change there where you get, like, at least a max point tag. Yeah. So you got to start getting those guys that are tagged before they die.
2: Yeah. yeah. They deserve I, it. I would love to see our state open up a few tags. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I really want to go chase goats with my bow is because you see so dang many of them i mean you see them all over the place and you could get a pretty good one in washington we got some great goats i mean when you're i've talked about this before but a lot of the places we deer hunt and elk hunt you're seeing a lot of goats i mean you're seeing a lot of goats and some of the areas where i bear hunt and as well as deer hunt there's no tags allotted, and i'm seeing 20 goats in a day in these places and you know, a lot of billies and um, just no tags available, no option. But I don't know. I, I'd like to see the state dump another twenty tags and kind of clear out the guys at the top. But it seems like it's sustainable, especially when so. you
1: got all the goats that live in the Olympic Park in Rainier Park. Yeah, like we have goats that are going to die of old age. Yeah. it's oh, cool.
2: I could go. I could go out tomorrow and and uh, easily go and and go into Aries and find you know fifty, seventy five goats. Mm-hmm. Easy without even trying too hard
1: so that's your number one bucket how what about idaho because idaho's got a good system for trophy species you have to apply for either goat or
2: apply for sheep or apply for moose but you you can't do all three and uh this is how cheap i am dan because i know how much goats um goat hunts are but it's also 2200 bucks for two months yeah eight weeks yeah and
1: then you don't have to hire an outfitter if you draw that's true so you're not that cheap you're actually being Uh, way more economical that's how i drew that moose tag in idaho was i was like i'm not going to spend six to ten k on a moose hunt and have someone have to be with me you know i don't like that yeah so for three years i on the third year i drew that moose tag and i didn't kill a monster but i killed the bull from you to me Mm -hmm. i got the experience i was looking for and uh Hmm. yeah so for two years before that Idaho made a little interest off my 2250. I just had to make sure I stashed that away. Sure. And uh, I've killed a moose. And you know what? That
2: meat is probably the best next to antelope meat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have yet to put in for those three. I'm always putting in for deer and elk in Idaho.
1: You can hunt deer and elk over the counter everywhere. I know. Idaho doesn't really
2: have that cool. I don't
1: know. It's true. I feel like you should put in for mountain goat and you should put in for, there's two units. One. Would be probably like the Seven Devils area, mm-hmm. and I forget people listen to this. I probably shouldn't be having this conversation, yeah. but the other one's like Southeast Idaho, and okay. with Go Hunt and Hunt and Full and Epic Outdoors, every like there are really no secrets with the internet. Like mm-hmm. it's just you got to draw, it, but pretty damn good odds for a non-res. And I think yeah. they only give ten percent of the tags to non-residents in a unit, so yeah. you need to find a unit where they're at least you know given out
2: yeah there's no there's definitely no better draw odds in the lower 48 to draw than than idaho as far as the big three there's your you goat know, and moose you've sheep, been goat. in the
1: seven devils
2: yeah i'd be if, the, all the areas that i've seen goats in idaho are, are areas i'd love to go chasing with a bow absolutely <laughs> you'd kill it but yeah uh the big three and out for example my dad you know my dad drew that moose tag a long time ago yeah in idaho um, I remember taking a photo of a, a bull and being like, you, is this good enough? You showed us a great bull. Um, and uh, my dad, being the guy he is, he's like, yeah, but they found it for us. <laughs> I like that, though. <laughs> so we had to go find, our, find his own because um, you told us where that bull was. and We went down and looked at it. You know, we went oh, down you did? And, yep, we okay. went down, checked it out, saw it. It's a great bull, but um, we had to go find our own. So cool. we went to a completely different area and, and, um, I had to actually take off before he ended up getting that, getting that bowl. And then I, I drove all night and went over and helped him pack it out.
1: You're but a good son. That was a lot of work. You don't want to pack a moose out by yourself. Oh, that was
2: that was just so much meat and we wasn't even hard, hardly off the trail and it was brutal. So seriously, man. were you like pumped driving all night or were you like, I was excited to see it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'd seen, you know, and help. Break moose down in Alaska, but I wanted to see that thing up close. And he was so excited. And um, actually, he, he, he shot that thing. And then that night, he, uh, you know, he, he did what he could, um, you know, took off as much height as he could. He, he couldn't spend the whole night there. It was raining, it was nasty, it was like sleeting. And so he, uh, that was the night he threw his little transistor. You know, he's old. He loves listening to the AM radio news all day long. Yeah. Um, something weird about that. Uh, but he'll sit down that's his thing. in the woods and just listen to AM radio. Whoa. <laughs> While hunting? <laughs> While hunting to take a break next to his fire. Time out. <laughs> so he took that little green AM FM radio and he slipped it in a Ziploc bag and then he set it in the cavity of that moose and he blasted country music, you know, he just cranked it up because there was wolves howling in the backdrop. Oh yeah. And it was a um, pretty wolfy area and he let that thing go all night, you know, praying that, that <sighs> was not that was going to deter him and it did we showed up the next morning by the time i got there and i was able to help him and the radio was blasting and what'd you think of the size no of moose. On the carcass. your first time walking up
1: to a moose on the ground
2: it's unreal it's so night and day compared to an elk it's not even close do you think elk, elk is are big? huge you think a big elk is just giant right like, yeah oh, am i gonna roll this thing over sometimes and then you you look at a moose and you're like, huh, I'm not rolling that thing over. There's, I have to rip parts off of this thing to just be able to twist it a little bit. So no, it was it was an absolute beast of a bull body wise, so impressive. And luckily he uh, he flopped down in a flat spot. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's awesome. I remember when yeah. I got mine down. It so my dad helped call it in, and I think yeah, I think I shot him literally like. Every pin was on the moose. He was that close. That and, close, wow. And it was quartering away. I mean, it went pretty severe quartering away. He died really, really fast. I mean, he just made it a few yards with an arrow through him. And we had cold beer uh, in the truck, and we were like packing it, like maybe I don't know, only a hundred vertical feet gain, and then just a hundred, two hundred yards down the road. So we had like pack frames and cold beer. It was, it was cool. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, I remember that. That was, that was in fourteen. That was a good. Yeah, you need to put in for goat. I would I would go with you on a goat hunt just to go. Something about a goat, man. Like and and I got really good at picking out Billy versus nanny, like that. People talk about that is so so easy to decide mm-hmm. after just a, looking over a few mm-hmm. and just their body language. Obviously, their bases their bases yeah is everything. And people and people are like, really? Are you? Sh-? Yeah, a, most nannies are pretty spindly billies carry the mass, yeah, and uh, and their body language, right. And uh, depending on the year, but
2: yeah, I've heard I've heard people talk. You know, it's kind of been a thing. People talking about having issues determining which is which like to the point where they have to wait until they watch a piss right
1: I just don't see that from what I saw in Utah mm-hmm. and I was only
2: there for two days you could look at those bases and determine that's a Billy just by the uh,
1: there were so many goats where we were at yeah. I mean I was in for those that are wondering where I was at watch the YouTube videos on there I mean I tell you right where I'm at I show you how to if you draw the tag what to do right. so many goats and I looked over all of them and it really wasn't hard to decipher um, and I would say like, even from afar, you could tell body language, hmm. you know? Yeah. But yeah, dude, I, I'm rooting for you to
2: do that. I know. And, and that, you got that's time. That's the smartest play is, Idaho because I'll, few like weeks I say, I'll never draw Washington. Um, but my draw odds are best and I will never splurge and dump all that money into the North country. It's just too spendy. Like we talked about. 10L so. cunts. I know. We'll see. Well, if we do, uh, if I do happen to draw it, we'll have to. Doing another podcast. Yeah. Reiterating we, the entire hunt.
1: We'll do it. So tonight we're going down to Backcountry Hunter and Anglers. Yep. Um, rendezvous. Absolutely. Pretty excited. Um, we've been recording this whole time with Jason Phelps about five yards away. Yeah. Yeah. Just sitting over there. He's over here picking
2: up tidbits. <laughs> He's picking up tidbits. Uh, so, well, should, let's. He should be the guy on the podcast. Let's get him He's on next. Book of knowledge, Jason Phelps. Let's
1: uh, ask him about <laughs> Elk Tactics. <laughs> uh, the reason why that's funny is because he just got done saying how many podcasts he's been on and all he's been asked is Elk Tactics. Yeah. He knows other stuff, people. He's got other things to share. But anyways. Right. <laughs> well, Stealthy, I think, that's, uh, I think that's a wrap, man. Um, Perfect. Appreciate
2: it. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, sitting Thanks. down. Thanks for doing this, Dan. It's shooting, cool. Hanging out. It's always fun to catch up with you. Just pick up where we left off. That's right. Let's do it cool. again. All right, man. Thanks.